Welcome to 6-Minute Stories, where you hear the writing of new voices and experienced writers whose submissions appear in the anthologies of the Personal Story Publishing Project. Now in Season 8, you will hear stories from our ninth collection, Sooner or Later. Find links to 6-Minute Stories and to the Personal Story Publishing Project at randalljones.com. Everybody loves a good story. We hope you enjoy this one. If You Build It by Alexandra Goodwin I suppose they were bound to show up one day to partake from the sanctuary we had intentionally created. Granted, it took 25 years, 7 months, and 13 days, but the stage was set and their arrival into our backyard made history. I was working in my home office that afternoon when I heard a clear string of high-pitched whistles I did not recognize. Over the years, bird calls have become familiar to me, and I've learned to identify the multifaceted song of the mockingbird, her trills for nesting, his clucks to mate, the short crystalline whistle of the cardinal, the sobbing coos of the morning dove, the aggressive shriek of blue jays, even the dainty tweet of the hummingbird. Puzzled, I walked over to the window. Dozens of brownish, grayish birds with rusty red underbelly and yellow beak hopped cheerfully all over the ground, pecking here and there, savoring a feast of worms and insects we never even knew lived in our garden. Excited and impressed by the numbers and camaraderie of the flock, I ran to the bookshelf and opened the National Geographic Backyard Guide to the Birds of North America. I leafed through the glossy pages until I landed on the page with the exact image of the birds in our yard. The American Robin had finally made an entrance into our lives. So what had taken them so long? Why now, after so many years? Would this mark the beginning of their annual visit, or was this a once-in-a-lifetime gift? The book specified robins will stop in Florida during the month of February, so how long would they stay? I took my binoculars and feasted on the details of their plumage, the wiggling worms struggling to free themselves from the birds' beaks. I remembered one winter Sunday when we went to the local nursery about five years ago looking for plants that attracted hummingbirds. The owner of the family business, a long-haired, white-bearded poet stuck between the 60s rock and roll and the need to make a living, signaled us to follow him. We walked among rows of Jotrophas, Poincianas, and Bougainvillea. A whimsical cottage the color of clouds stood amid tropical lush bushes. Pastel-painted butterflies surrounded the single four-pane window. The door creaked as we tiptoed inside, in awe. An antique secretary desk with an old royal electric typewriter and a stack of letter paper sat in a corner by the window. And for lack of a copy machine, there was carbon paper as well. His poems papered the walls of the dollhouse from floor to ceiling. Some typed, some handwritten, all of them tributes to nature, hymns of gratitude to life. We walked through the cinnamon-scented tiny house and exited through another door that led to the back of the nursery, off-limits to customers. 
this was the family's personal space, a private paradise of ponds, water fountains, turtles, parrots, and goldfish. It was like stepping into an enchanted rainforest, fragrant with the wet scent of the tropics cooled off by the misty droplets generated by the water fountains. The poet gardener pointed to a plant with red tubular flowers, simple and unassuming. Not impressed and rather annoyed, I wanted a burst of colors in front of my kitchen window. We started to walk away when we heard a dainty squeal. We turned in its direction and held our breath as the iridescent feathers of a hummingbird shimmered in the afternoon sunlight, its beak extracting nectar from the unpretentious red trumpet vine. Captivated, we took two bushes home. Although it was a while before the hummingbirds found their way to our backyard, eventually they did, and we have been rejoicing in their presence ever since. A few years ago, when our children flew the nest, we felt the need to replace the warmth and joy that once lived within the walls of our home. We figured that by creating a habitat for birds, we would bring song and color back to our lives. I had read that bluebirds like to nest in wood birdhouses called condos, and in Midwest America it is common to see them posted along fences and poles. Just like the line from the movie Field of Dreams asserts, if you build it, they will come. Bluebirds somehow find these nesting structures and make them their own. Last year we hung a bluebird condo from a hook on the fence facing north between the firebush and the Argentine almond tree, in the hopes that one day bluebirds will discover it and drop anchor there. We now know it's just a matter of time, but we hope it won't take another 25 years. Copyright 2023, Alexandra Goodwin. Alexandra Goodwin was born in Argentina and she divides her time at home in Florida between her imaginary treehouse and her mango tree and her pool, unless there is a hurricane. Her essays and poems can be found in Aerial Charts, The Centrifictionist, Lock Raven Review, Stick Figure Poetry Quarterly, The Miami Herald, Twist and Turns, and Lost and Found. This is her third story in the Personal Story Publishing Project. Visit alexandragoodwin.com for more information about her and her work. Read more about this writer and background on this story in a special feature of Six Minute Stories called Author's Talk. Thank you for listening to another Six Minute Story. You can read them all in the nine anthologies of the Personal Story Publishing Project. Find the link to our online store at randalljones.com. That's R-A-N-D-E-L-L-Jones.com. There you can learn about submitting your own story for consideration for our next personal story publishing project. And remember, everybody loves a good story.